Disruption, innovation, revolution, ingenuity. If I had asked the public what they wanted, they would have asked for a faster horse. That's Henry Ford from the Ford Motor Company. So what is the meaning of disruptive innovation? Disruptive innovation is the introduction of a product or service into an established industry that performs better and generally at a lower cost than existing offerings, thereby displacing the market leaders in that particular market space and transforming the industry. Because disruption can take time, incumbents often overlook disruptors. This is your unfair advantage. Today we're gonna to talk about the six pillars of disruptive innovation. Quite literally the playbook of some of the world's most successful people and your cheat code and shortcut to becoming somebody who's not only irreplaceable, but will ultimately make the status quo obsolete. And to be fair, this all starts with the mindset. So we're gonna dive into that today. And without any fluff or further ado, let's get into it. So the first pillar here is comfort in the uncomfortable. There's a great quote from the United States Navy SEALs that goes like this. If you can be comfortable being uncomfortable, you'll be prepared to handle whatever situation comes along in your own life. This means embracing change and challenges and inequity. The world is full of ambiguity and change. And there are a lot of people that want nothing more than stability and confidence and comfort. But those people generally, those are the folks who play by the rules. And at best, they're never gonna be close to elite. And they're almost always going to be infinitely replaceable. Remember that disruption is about doing things differently and moving away from the status quo. And this isn't just to be contrarian, although to be fair, many of the best disruptors in history we're inherently contrarian. Now the thing is, being contrarian for contrarian's sake is its own version of insecurity and weakness. But there are others who don't want to take the road more travel, that feel more comfortable blazing their own path. And the honest truth is, you cannot have innovation, you cannot have breakthroughs if we only ever take the road often traveled. If we're not blazing our own paths in some way or another, the best we're ever going to be is a worse version than the people that blazed that path to begin with. Now often we see that blazing of a path as being out of a lot of different motivations. But for me, what I find most often is that this comes from pillar number two, curiosity and learning. Remember that disruptors, are always lifetime learners. People who innovate, solve problems that other people don't see, and often don't take what's accepted as status quo as necessary. You know, it's often said, it's a young man's world, it's a young woman's world, the world is for the young. But remember also, youth in that analogy isn't necessarily age. Youth is defined by the eagerness to be inquisitive. We must always be asking questions exploring new ideas and seeking to understand things more deeply. Oftentimes, understanding something comes from looking at something that we've known for a long time and finally being able to see how it's put together in a way that was obfuscated from us before. It's like seeing the wizard at the end of The Wizard of Oz. You might understand that there's this great omnipotent being, but later on you come to realize it's just an insecure old man behind a mask. So to stay curious, 
encourage being challenged and give away all of the knowledge you have. Repetition produces mastery and knowing something comes the far lower understanding than being able to teach it. And in my life, I've had the luxury of teaching thousands of people on six continents for nearly a decade some of the core basic principles and their challenging of my knowledge has made me have to think in new and interesting ways. And those new ways and synapses that fire and new combinations ultimately create knowledge. And that has allowed me to have an understanding of the spaces I work in that is fundamentally different and greater than almost anybody else in the space. The point here is I'm not teaching because I enjoy being smart and proving that I'm, you know, a know-it-all in the room. I enjoy teaching because it inspires my own curiosity. I want to know new ways of putting things together. I want to be challenged. I enjoy solving the puzzle and ultimately becoming greater as a result. And probably the most important upside of this is that if you're not challenged, if you're not uncomfortable, if you're only ever existing within the playbook that you have, it's extraordinarily difficult, if not impossible, to spot the opportunities that everybody else misses. There's a reason why some of the world's greatest innovation comes from people that don't know what they're supposed to do. Ignorance is an opportunity. And if you come in to solving a problem without a standardized playbook, the odds of you defining a new and better solution are a lot better. And ultimately the greatest strength that comes from being able to identify opportunities that other miss brings us to pillar number three. Now I wanna take a quick break here real quick and just say, I know you love videos like this, but sadly, YouTube only has a like button. So go ahead and smash it. I think it's right there. Right down in there, right? And don't forget to hit subscribe, ring the bell so you don't miss any other videos. And with that being said, let's get back to the fun. The willingness to embrace risk. Let's be fair. Disruption requires taking risks. Those who lead from the front have a body count of failures that wildly outnumbers the amount of risks that those who follow will ever take. Remember that every failure you have is ultimately another building block to the success that you deserve. Almost no great innovation happens on the first try. And to be fair, it's not just even about your own failures. Far more often than not, the folks that ultimately achieve what was previously deemed impossible stand on the shoulders of the risks and failures of others. You know, there's this great story of two brothers and a cold day in North Carolina in 1903 who have been working together in a bicycle shop that ultimately accomplished something that had been previously for literally thousands of years been thought by almost everyone to be completely impossible. And to be fair, even on the day where they were successful, their first attempt didn't go well. Their engine stalled out, but because they were willing to embrace the risk, because they were willing to be uncomfortable, in this case, literally put their livelihood, their physical well-being and their health at risk on their second attempt. 
Wilbur and Orville Wright ultimately flew for the first time in human history in a man-made device. Something that even 10 years prior had been seen as a fool's errand. And the only things that in history had only ever gotten us that far potentially outside of balloons, which were just basically capturing hot air, were designs by Leonardo da Vinci. And to be fair, their plane looked nothing like the ornithopter. The point is, they went through this path of accepting risk. They were willing to be wrong. And they learned from those mistakes to do something that everyone else had deemed impossible. And Within a single generation, what they had done on that cold day in North Carolina translated into a machine that helped win the world's first world war and likely saved countless lives. And in our world, maybe we're not trying to invent the airplane. We have to remember that growth comes from embracing the uncomfortable. If you avoid risk, you're always gonna be comfortable and ultimately replaceable. And you're not here right now because you feel that you are worth being immediately replaced in your life by anyone. One of my favorite lessons from the story of the Wright brothers brings us to pillar number four, which is to think big. A lot of folks say, think outside the box. Give me a creative solution. Truly disruptive and innovative ideas disregard the existence of the box to begin with. Remember that what we achieve is often limited most by what goals we set. So dream big, be ambitious. Sometimes the easiest way to solve a complicated problem is to think bigger and identify all of the small things that just don't matter. Remember, you can't move mountains if you're worried about the pebbles and no one ever wrote a story about the pebble mover when the guy moving mountains is standing right next to them. And remember, history is not full of stories written about people who worked really hard to be comfortable and ultimately achieve mediocrity. It's not just about being contrarian for the sake of being contrarian, but you have to have the courage to challenge the conventions and the norms. And even better, like with the example of the Wright brothers, being ignorant of why you can't do something is often one of the secret powers to learn why you can. And my experience, in the industries that I've been in, with the businesses that I've been a part of, and the clients that I had even when I first started, part of my greatest asset to the business was that I didn't know what you were supposed to do. So I could often do a much, much better job than everybody else that had done the right thing. They went to elementary school, they went to middle school, they went to high school, they went to college, they got a good degree, they started in the mailroom, they worked their way up. They were excellent at doing what they were told and ultimately being an integrator in a system. They were somebody that did the work. But like I talked about in the Get Rich in Your 20s video, Don't Start a Brand, when I was working at that ad agency, everybody around me was excited for a paycheck and stability. And if they worked really, really hard and did a really good job, they might earn an extra $1,000 a month or maybe even two 
after a good year's work. Even though on a standard day, we might have legitimately driven well over a quarter million dollars in profit from commissions alone. My point here is that visionary innovators often see things in a way that many other people don't. And not everybody is a visionary innovator, and that's okay. The world desperately needs integrators. If everyone's a big thinker, but has no capability of actually delivering on their dreams, this would be a lonely place. We need the yin and the yang. You need the counterpoint. And ultimately the world's best get things done. People wouldn't do anything if there wasn't a visionary ahead of them trying to cut the path and give them something to do. There's a symbiosis here, but today's video is about disruptive innovation. And disruptive innovation is almost never accomplished. And disruptive innovation by definition almost requires you to completely ignore how you're supposed to do something, the way that you're supposed to do something, and why you're supposed to do something, and what the end goal of that thing is to begin with. And this ultimately brings us to pillar number five, because you can't do that every single day and not have a core value of resilience. Remember that the path to disruptive innovation is never smooth, it's never a straight line. It's often full of many failures, but you know, there's an ancient Chinese proverb that says, if you fall down seven times, all you need to do to be successful is get up eight. And it's as a character trait that is seen as arrogance, pretension, hubris, smugness, and, and having such a big head and ego that there's no room in the world for anybody else. And to be fair, they've said that a lot about folks like Steve Jobs and Mark Zuckerberg and Bill Gates. And maybe they're right, maybe they're not. The point is that there's a value to blind confidence and ignoring the common sense and status quo that define the rules that everybody else plays by. If you can view these challenges as opportunities, you have the ability to go places other people won't go and ultimately to change the world. And often these folks are seen as crazy right up until they're seen as genius. Now to be fair, the dangerous part is there's a lot of crazy people who think they're geniuses. And this is by no means a very easily to define clear cut line. Now to be fair, to describe this, I have somewhat purposefully cited names of rich, privileged men. But let's take a look at the words of someone that you could not possibly say that about. The way that I look at what Helen communicated here is that ultimately we can choose to play the part of the victim, accepting the rules of the world as given to us. Or we can say that we're in control and that we're willing to fail. Because again, if you fall down seven times, but you're willing to get up eight, that means you win. And regardless of what you might say about the megalomania of a lot of the men we talked about, the strength that defines the character of someone like Helen Keller plays on a lot of the same attributes when it comes to resilience. 
Alliance. And what I like to glean from all of this is the opportunity and the hope. I don't see much difference. And the Wright brothers growing up in an era where flight was impossible. And the tech moguls of our time growing up in a space where being a billionaire was unheard of. Just like Helen Keller shows us what somebody with other psychological and someone with a different character of being would have accepted as being a victim. And instead, to this day, a woman who was born in 1880, who had lost both her vision and her sight to illness before she was two years old, has gone down in history as one of the most powerful women of the modern era or potentially all time, and is known as a poet and an author and a rights advocate who legitimately changed the lives of millions of girls and boys around the world and probably will for hundreds of years to come. And ultimately what everyone we've talked about today, from Henry Ford to Helen Keller, the Wright brothers to Elon Musk, and everyone in between, there are women and men going back literally thousands of years we could have cited today, that have looked at the world in a disruptive fashion. The reason that books are written about them and why the world is a better place because of their existence ultimately comes down to one simple thing. They were able to create value in a space where everything had been known and ultimately everyone who knew the answer was wrong. Like Copernicus and the Catholic Church and the gorgeous Hedy Lamarr who was known as a Hollywood actress in the silver screen days who actually invented wireless communication and the US Navy gave all the credit to some dude. Alice Ball who came up with the cure for leprosy and Vera Rubin, who is widely and sadly not credited for the discovery of dark matter, which changed the entire theory of how the universe works. Dr. Grace Murray Hopper, who quite literally invented the concept of a computer programming language. She invented what we all use today. And before her, you had to get index cards with holes punched in them and computers were the size of classrooms to ultimately get less done than we have in a calculator. The point here is at the heart of disruption and innovation comes the creation of value for customers and businesses and society at large. Disruptors purposefully or not are always looking for ways to enhance value and, and make meaningful impact. The way that I like to think about it ultimately is to think like an engineer. Engineers are inherently lazy. How can I get this job done by doing less work? At the end of the day, there's only so much time that you have to work and to spend with your family and enjoy life. There's only so many resources that you have at your disposal. And if you can create more value by using less resources, because you're thinking about things in a different way, by willing to embrace change and continuously learn, taking calculated risks and thinking really, really big while demonstrating resilience and ultimately relentlessly pursuing value creation. Well, that's what it's all about. And to close it out like we opened up with, I want to cite Henry Ford one more time because I legitimately believe that the customer isn't always right. And 
I very much encourage you to never underestimate the power of stupid people in large groups. But if he had asked the people what they wanted, he would have built them a faster horse. So remember, this is not something that's gonna happen overnight. This is a lifestyle, this is a journey, this is a personality trait, and to be fair, it's a personality flaw for most people, until you get it right. And even then, some of the world's smartest, most accomplished people are terrible human beings to other folks, to be completely honest. But that singularity of their purpose and, and how they go about their life is what creates their greatness. That dedication is what makes them better than others. And I'm not saying that you should go out and be a terrible person. That's not the point here. The point here is, if you want to be a disruptive innovator, take what we've talked about here today and look to see where in your life you can begin to apply some of these principles. I promise you that the reward for doing this is 10 times greater than the cost. Now we've talked a lot about disruptive innovation and I talked about how I use that in my life and how I've used that in my career. And I've actually mapped out every single thing that I do so I can make passing that along easier and easier. And if you look down below, you'll see a link for the Facebook Ads MBA program, which is quite literally my playbook to make you better than 99% of the people doing digital marketing by mastering Facebook ads and ultimately your skills as a CMO. This is the standard operating procedure, the playbook, step-by-step, top multiple courses with a community, direct support, weekly classes, ongoing education, and guest appearances by some of the greatest minds in the world who I love, treasure, and cannot wait to share with you. You'll also see links for Disruptor School, the newsletter, and hey, if you want one of those lovely shirts or hats, bags, or socks, whatever else, there's a merch store too, so check it out. With that being said, down below, please don't be shy and dropping your love in the comments section. Every little bit helps. YouTube thinks you might like a couple of these videos. Don't forget to smash the button. And until next time, I'll see you on the internet.